well, let's make Lucio regret not being here. Um, <laughs> not not being here for what, you might ask? Why the Enemy Slime Podcast, of course, episode number 211. I'm your usual host, Jared, and I'm joined today by Mr. J. Joseph Jr. Now that I think about it, we really are the Enemy Slime Podcast, episode 211. We really, we definitely are. I also have Mr. Michael Mahoney. Well, goddamn, we're back and better as always. Better than ever before. This is our last... Yeah. Uh, well, I can't make this promise, but I think this is... Last the, podcast. I think reasonably this is probably the last break that I'll have during the summer. This is this is the last time my travel plans interfere with the podcast. Uh, w- what other plans might interfere with it, God only knows. Um, and God's definitely real, by the way, and he knows. So Yeah. Don't you know? He, he told us. He told us. He speaks to me in dreams, and he told me that we were going to have a podcast <laughs> today. He said, uh, "Jeremy, he to you on time plates. for a podcast." He came, yeah. He, well, he came down and he he left me these plates. They're made of gold, <laughs> and on it it has every date of every enemy slime podcast uh, ever to be made. And uh, yeah, I read I read through them, and it, it all's lined up so far. So I think they're accurate. I don't see a reason not to believe them. When is the last one? Is it super far out, or is it like disturbingly close? Yeah, it's it's kind of far away. Uh, do you guys want Do you guys want to see the plates? Yes, but I don't think I'll be able to. Uh, read yeah, that'll be cool. Oh well, too bad because you fucking can't. I'm not showing anybody these plates. These are my secret plates, and if you try to, oh, if you, oh, damn. if you try to get a look at them, boy, it's well, your eyes will melt out. I, that God told me that too. So. Mm-hmm. Sounds about right. God is crafty. So watch out. Oh, and he also said that your guys' girlfriends and wives are now my girlfriends and wives. So uh, oh, well, uh, there's something I could do about that. So yeah, thank you uh, for that. That's God's prerogative. Um, I'll take uh, I'll take relatives too. So uh, your sisters and everything else. That's fine. Mm. Hey. All right. So uh, it's been a it's been a little while since we since we last linked up here. And uh, I think that we can probably lead our discussion with uh, not to just jump right into games. Like we could, we could have fun and talk about other things too. But uh, maybe such as, um, yeah, that's right. I didn't think so. I don't know. I was kind of enjoying our discussion on books, but there's nothing left to to say about books. We said we in the pre-show, which if you paid for it, you'd know this. We said everything there was. To, there's nothing left to say about books. Yeah, uh, we reviewed all of the books. We reviewed every book. That's what we've been doing. <laughs> every book that's ever been made. That's what we've been doing lately. Uh, man, Jay did not like War and Peace, which is fair. Uh, no, but I did like Mein Kampf. He did like Mein Kampf. Little surprise, a little sleeper hit. Um, you know, everybody just just because someone's evil doesn't mean they can't make riveting uh, prose. Right. Exactly. Uh, look at was the... your problem with War and Peace that you were not well represented in it? <laughs> yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Whereas in Mein Kampf, you know, you've got a not starring role, but prominent enough. I was definitely a big deal in that one. Yeah. 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 <laughs> a very big deal. So, <laughs> <laughs> something, something of a villain, but nonetheless, uh, pretty, pretty. Sometimes good. it's just nice to be noticed. Have you, in all seriousness, have either of you read Mein Kampf? <laughs> no. <laughs> not all of it, no. But you've read some of it. Yes. And did you. I didn't feel super excited by anything he had to say, but maybe it takes a little while to get into. This is the thing that's always, not to get back into books, but the thing that's always fascinated me about books so much is that you can literally, there are books out there where you can read them, and when you're done with them, you're crazy. Like, you, 
<laughs> they literally yes. can like completely, you might pick up a book and you think one thing, but then when you're done with the book, you think something totally different. Something completely different than what you first thought before you put the book. Isn't that weird? It it seems weird to me. Like I feel like movies can have a power like that, but not as much. Like You could go see Super Size Me and walk out of there and be like, well, I'm not eating fast food again. But you can't go right. see. No, no, it's, it's exactly like Super Size Me. Like we need Super Size Me to tell us that fast food is bad, and then we need Mein Kampf to tell us certain other things are bad. Yeah, but see, like Mein Kampf couldn't be a documentary. It couldn't be a movie where when you walk in and walk out, you're like, "Well, I'm gonna systematically exterminate a people now." <laughs> it's just kind of um, weird. Yeah, it's are like, we sure? It's like something you know. What, what you do is that you like casually slide it across to a friend, and you're like, "Hey, um, I'm not endorsing this book, but I think it's got some interesting ideas." I guess Fine, I want you to should just give it you. a little read, see what you think. You might find something interesting. I guess what I'm wondering, Michael, is did you stop reading because a) you didn't want to be a person who finished all of Mein Kampf, <laughs> <laughs> b) uh, you were just bored or uninterested, or C, and what I think is the most likely answer, that you were scared that the words would leach into your soul and change you without your knowledge. I actually found that it had nothing new to tell me, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. No, this is back when I was 14 years old, and I would go to the bookstore and read books for free in the, uh, in the coffee area. I feel like it's a I feel like it's a naughty book to read. Like I feel like if your parents came home, remember when I said that my mom remember when I said that like uh when I said my mom wouldn't care what she caught me reading? I'm pretty sure she would have cared if she caught me reading. <laughs> my reading my cup. Yeah. Oh, Jared, you're cup. reading a book. Wait a minute. I used to love these uh novels. I don't even remember who wrote them, but they were called Mac Bolan and Mac Bolan was like a foul-mouthed <laughs> spy. Uh are you laughing because oh. you know who Mac Bolin is? Tell me, please. No, I just I think the name is hilarious. Ah, uh, so it's a pretty funny name. So but I don't know him. No, think of him. Uh, people actually compare him to the Punisher. He's like the Punisher. He he's very violent and brutal, but he's like James Bond. Like imagine James Bond, except instead of like you know a gadget, he just uses his hands to tear off a guy's head. That's basically so, <laughs> fair enough. That's basically Ex- what Mac Bolin's doing, and. Uh, yeah. So anyway, I I would always like that was my guilty pleasure was I would get Mac Bolan, and uh, it had all this like gore and violence and harsh language. But my mom was none the wiser. She, she by, never... by the way, not that it's like directly related, but did you know there's a Jack Ryan TV series? Yeah, I did. I I, I just learned this. I'm actually kind of interested to see it stars, what that is going to be. It stars the man who looks the least like Jack Ryan that I can imagine. <laughs> Tom Cruise. Oh, no, it's much worse. Uh, Wait, let's let Michael see. Uh, Let me find a picture of him as Jack Ryan. Hang on here. Let's see. You know, Uh, similar to Mein Kampf, Jack Ryan is also a book that I read part of and decided I didn't need to finish. Yeah. Yeah, so they're they're as good. Here you go. There's a picture. uh, There's a picture of the new Jack Ryan. Um, Let's see what we got here. He looks... uh, I... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, nice. That's what we're doing. Well, t- t- isn't, isn't the one thing about uh, Jack Ryan is he's just nine feet tall? I mean, I understood when it was like Harrison Ford or uh, even like Chris Pine. Um, 
I'm really just I'm really just not Wait getting. Wait a minute. I'm, really, I'm thinking of a different series. Never mind. I'm sorry. I'm I'm just really not getting uh, Jim from The Office <laughs> as Jack Ryan, unless Jack Ryan kind of changes up his shtick and like he goes to the terrorists and he puts their stapler in Jello. You know, that's a real. That's a yeah. That's a that's like real. Like he is like really like the last person you expect to be Jack Ryan. I I, I get it, I get it in like. I, I, Quiet Place was pretty good. I'll give him that. But that didn't scream to me, okay, now he should be like the top kind of secret agent who ends up being president of the United States. Um, not him. He can, he can, he can like, he can dirty up a little bit. Like, uh, here's a picture of him with like a beard and, uh, and but he's like, still like, so like, even well, this the is a Tom Clancy he was, That's what he got dirty for. He, he still looks, he's just he's like just... a nice dad. He looked that, which is what he was in that movie. He was a nice dad. <laughs> he doesn't look like Jack Ryan. He's just kind of yeah, goofy. Here he's been captured. He's been caught eating the birthday cake before it's time for the birthday. <laughs> so basically, like, he wants with to, an M16. He wants to do what, uh, what, uh, Chris, what's his name? What's the, what's the Chris everyone loves? Chris Pratt. He wants to do what Chris Pratt did. Which is he wants to go from like lovable oaf on television to action star, and no one's quite sure how Chris, Chris Pratt did it, but he did. But right. I just don't think that uh, John Krasinski is going to be able to pull this one <laughs> off. I I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I'm, I'm kind of like not not to insult any Jack Ryan fans out there, but I don't think Jack Ryan is the role for that either. Just because I. You know whether Michael Jordan is joking or not. I don't think Jack Ryan is like particularly interesting. Uh, I know. So I was actually Tom thinking Ryan's of Jack Reacher. I was just about to say I already know who uh, Michael was thinking of because he said Tom Cruise, and so that yeah. would, that would have been Jack Reacher. Which yeah, uh, I thought I was being pretty clever there. I'm but. guessing that you didn't watch Jack Reacher, but the first one's actually pretty good. Really? Yeah, I thought I, it was, I, I back that up. I thought it was pretty watchable. Uh, like he beats a lot of people up, and that's pretty much the movie. Like that's the movie. That's all it needs to be. And then, and then uh, the it other captures one all of the depth of the that book. I find watchable is uh, John Wick, which is basically Keanu Reeves just being the same exact guy he was in the Matrix. Only it's not the Matrix. <laughs> yeah, actually, Jack Reacher and John Wick are almost the same movie, except one they of them are almost the same movie. One of them is a dead dog. Confused. Like 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 uh, uh, Michael got uh, uh, Jack Reacher and Jack Ryan confused, but I got. I always get like John John Wick and Jack Reacher confused. Jack Wick and John John Ryan and uh, Jack <laughs> John John Ryan. Fuck man! You see the potential for that a tag team movie. That, that should be our novel. Yeah, there could. Our novel is about John Ryan. I would, or I would a watch, versus movie. I would definitely watch. Oh, oh my God! Jack <laughs> Reacher versus Jack Ryan versus John Wick the movie <laughs> coming soon to theaters. <laughs> It's it's basically it would basically just be Tom Cruise and Keanu Reeves just beating the shit out of Jim from the office. <laughs> just fucking wailing on him. It'd be a done deal. Um, um but yeah. You're mentioning I, I never read Mein Kampf, but I I did start reading Uncle Tom's Cabin. Oh, see that one's well good. That's uh and what did you learn? I I mean I I, I did learn that uh, uh Uncle Tom is not the character we all describe him to be to each other. It's like a, a case of telephone. Uncle Tom is quite a nice guy. Oh, really? And he's and so, he's so the next time someone calls anyone that you know an Uncle Tom, they're saying you're you're a swell dude. So instead well, of instead of like abandoning his people, did he just give out like toffees? Well, I, it's it's one of those things where, and I, and I find this happened with another book that I probably won't bring up because it's like a symbol of uh, 
of like MRAs and red pillars and all that kind of stuff. But it's like one of those books where it has gone on and the message has kind of been confused a little bit because the whole point of Uncle Tom, the author, she was like, no, no, I was trying to like get white people to accept black people more and say they shouldn't be slaves. And then everyone was like, well, that just means like a black guy who can't wait to sell out his people. <laughs> to be fair, don't wipe, don't we use Uncle Tom as a compliment? No, I no? don't. I don't feel like no. I ever have. White people? Yeah, I wouldn't. I I've I've used it. You never seen a guy being like, "Hey, you're doing a good job. You're doing. You're a real Uncle Tom." No. <laughs> huh. No, I don't think so. Not a very enlightened attitude. <laughs> uh, but I know uh, how those people use it. But I figure we we appreciated that. I mean, now like now, you never understand. It's like how you, how you how you how black people can see the N word, but white people can't. Only with Uncle Tom, it's white people can say that, but black people can't. Huh. Yeah, yeah. That's that's one of our words for you. <laughs> I mean we'll add it onto the list. There we go. Uh I mean Uncle Tom's Cabin was written by a white woman. So yeah. in a way yeah, I, I I don't know. Man, this is getting real confusing. I don't know. It's right there in the it's right there in the title. He owns property. He's doing well. That's true. He has a cabin. <laughs> He has his very own cabin. <laughs> he does have his own cabin. That is true. Man, I wish I I don't even I don't even own a fucking cabin. Yeah. Yeah, I've never had a cabin, I could say. Like I can dream, but oh good gravy. Alright. Well, that was a good deviation. Um hey, speaking of uh labor or building, uh you guys remember when we Careful, were all, Jared. Y'all remember we were stranded on that raft? Oh, yeah, I remember that. I do. Boy, wasn't that fun? It was kind of fun to be stranded yeah, around. It was, yeah, it was actually quite a bit of fun. That's actually, yeah, we should do that again sometime. Uh, we we played well, a game called Raft. Uh, not The Raft. I mistakenly called it The Raft many yeah, times. Yeah, I always called it The Raft, too. But it's not The Raft. It's just called Raft. Um, the cease and desist was very mean. And really early on, we learned a valuable lesson, which is raft is singular. You cannot have more than one raft. <laughs> uh, or and, start a new raft. And the raft that you start on is the raft you get. And uh, I think almost immediately getting into the game, we had to abandon ship to get onto an island. And uh, once the raft gets far enough away from the island, it just goes ahead and disappears. And uh, that was a little... Uh, disorienting. And it was I, quite the learning experience. And I remember thinking, like, man, this game sucks. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know it's early access, but this island definitely should not have just disappeared. Busted uh, as hell from out out from under me. Uh, but after that, we kind of got the got the hang of it a little bit. I don't know. What do you What are your guys' thoughts on on raft? You know, I really uh, liked it. Yeah, I I, I didn't have. Nightmare experience you did with rafts. I just got into the raft and just started grabbing shit like a little kleptomaniac, and it served me well. So tell me if you guys agree here. I think that the uh, so the the main like kind of core loop of the game, or or more so, the way that you uh, acquire resources is through a salvage method, and basically you have a hook that you cast out into the water. And if you hit something that some debris that's floating in the water, it'll stick to it and you can get more than one piece if you leave it out there long enough and then you reel it back in. It's almost like fishing. Um, I find that kind of like gameplay mechanic to be 
super fun for some reason. It's very simple, but there's a cathartic aspect of it where you're just sitting there pulling stuff in and you're on the water and it's peaceful and it's, yeah. I, I would actually call it, yeah, I, I think cathartic is the right word because um, I don't know. I get that from fishing and video games in general. Like, I definitely got it in um, um, Far Cry 5 where if you can find a nice quiet fishing spot, it was actually quite relaxing. And I, I do like entering the raft even as you, like, get get later into the game and just kind of less reason to salvage stuff. I still kind of like doing it because it's uh, fun. And mm-hmm. it also gets strangely, strangely competitive, even though we all share the material. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we would literally, we would literally like, you know, crawl over each other to get the barrels, which contain the most loot. And, and then, I mean, once we get them, we're, we're literally just dumping all the stuff into a crate that's shared amongst <laughs> right. us or, or adding on to the raft that we're all riding. Or adding on the draft they're all writing, <laughs> or like putting the recipes in the book that we're all learning from. So it is a little weird that we got as competitive as we did <laughs> uh, uh, on a cooperative game, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but nonetheless, it happened. Um, you got to make your own um, fun. Now, of course, the entire time that you're sailing on this raft, you're also tormented by a shark. Uh, <laughs> if you fall into the water, the shark will almost immediately come for you. Uh, there's very little time to to do anything other than get bit to death. Um, the game does have kind of a cute mechanic where if you die, you can be picked up and carried to a bed, uh, at which point you will revive with, with hey, no consequences. We had consequences. some epic moments around that. We did. I saved Michael from the bottom of the ocean one time. Yeah, it was a daring rescue. Uh, and I can't believe that it worked. Uh, I thought for sure. I was like, well, I guess we're both going to lose our stuff. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel like I had a pretty daring rescue of someone. I forgot who it was. You got me one time. You you got me uh, one time. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, uh, I, I think I think the raft was moving away at a pretty fast speed, and I dive. I, I went out into the water and I grabbed you and I brought you back. So I mean, really, this game had it all. It had heroism. It had uh, <laughs> it had a raft. Um, it had uh, the ability to kill a shark and mount his head on a wall, which we did. And uh, that's about it. I don't know. I guess what what so- do you the one thing we so, didn't touch at all was, sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll say this and then I want to hear what you have to say. But uh, the one thing we didn't touch is the game does kind of have like some story components. Uh, if you build like the radio and the antenna. Oh, um, uh, yeah. Yeah. And we didn't do uh, we pretty much did nothing with that. Uh, so we should, we should give that a shot. There is still some stuff that we can do to like reach the I'm holding up some air quotes here. End game, if you will. Right. Um, but what were you going to say, Michael? Well, actually, two things in line with that. But so the reason we started playing Raft is because we had been playing the forest originally and just couldn't get everybody together for a game. And so we, we played both kind of in you know rapid frequency. And the interesting thing is I, I found myself thinking like, you know, this Raft is far more primitive than the forest in every way. There's much less stuff to do, much less stuff to build. And yet, I think I like it in every way more than the forest. I want to see if you guys thought the same. That's an I, interesting I, question. I, you know, I, I think there's a much higher participation level in the raft. I, I think mm. in the forest, you know, when, when we have a big construction project, we're all kind of just chopping down logs and, and carrying them out over and, and putting them up. But for the most part, I feel like people often end up it is a lot like lost where people just like split randomly split off and go deep into the bars and look for different shit and it 
you have one person who's really good at hunting and another person's like really good at gathering and they find what they're kind of unique at or they, they focus on construction projects. Like I was really good at eating people. And so I got the effigies first. Well, so <laughs> Boy, were you. And on that, on that line, like to kind of build on what Jay's saying there, like I, I came into the forest one session behind you guys, like you'd already played. And so I didn't know how to play. Uh, mm. And so like in the process of learning it, I feel like I also kind of became, I get off a little bit on being a burden on people <laughs> and so like uh indeed you were and so i remember like dropping a body on the fire a few times and people got mad at me for that and then i built a table that we didn't need and people got mad at me for that and i like i'll admit that part of that was me just trying to learn the game and figure out how to build the table but another part of me was like we don't need this table and michael's gonna get mad if i build it <laughs> uh and and that satisfied me on some level but i never really felt my like kind of inner uh what's the word i'm looking for like child nature in raft like raft is so aggressive with the survival aspect and you are trapped in such tight quarters with each other um you feel a lot more like you're kind of you have to work together and you have to agree on stuff and you don't want to be the asshole who puts a table in like the middle of a hallway yeah it's it's especially difficult like kind of coordinating how to raid an island yeah um, there's Definite immediacy to a lot of it. Yeah, like like you do. You need someone who's kind of uh, like the one thing I never quite worked out in Raft is how to work out the sail. You need someone who's like on the sail and someone else who's paddling, and then you coordinate when draw out the shark bait because someone's always going to dive down there and gather, and someone's going to get like up top and get the materials that are up top, and then yeah, there's not a lot of room for kind of fucking around. And I think as we, you know, I, I I. even despite that, though, I do feel like that there is a chance to kind of grow and explore um, what else the raft has to offer. Because, you know, especially with that um, recipe book that you can set up and create and then it's the kind of community and everyone learns from. It's kind of fun to go through it and go, oh, well, what does this do? And which is how I discovered the paintbrush. And as uh, survival became less dire, I began working out how to create paints and adding some color to the raft. Um you know, and 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 I, I I like that. You know, I I, I feel like I, I like that. Even though that you're all kind of working together, and that there, you do have to really focus on the survival component. It is a lot less forgiving on survival because there's no grace period. Um, you're always like starving and dehydrated, no matter how well you eat, how well you drink, and there's even mm-hmm. diminishing returns. But you still get a little bit of freedom to kind of explore what there is to discover and make and. Uh, and we have a pretty funky looking um, raft. <laughs> I did. Uh, I did. Yeah. I did forget about you and your fucking paints. Uh, <laughs> and it, it falls back again. And like it's it's funny to see uh, pl- playing just anything really with 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 you guys. Like just just how we find little ways to annoy one another, <laughs> uh, or 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 whatever. And like I said, that could just be a a, a sign that's uh, got some crude lettering on it, or. Uh, or painting an entire raft and spending all of our resources to do it. <laughs> hey, I didn't spend. No, you. Like, all... It was. It was fine. But I know there was at least one time where Michael would have rather you were doing anything else, but you were like, "I gotta paint this raft." <laughs> I think there were quite a few times like that. I'm sure it's it's just the nature of games like this too. And... But we but we have a very patriotic raft now because of me. No, we definitely do. 
We don't. There is a hell of a lot of a color of a lot of colors. Yeah, it's a beautiful raft. Um, but yeah, as far as your overall question as to like which game I enjoyed more, they scratch kind of different itches. Um, yeah. And I will say this: I could see myself playing raft by myself. I can't imagine playing the forest by myself ever. Yeah, that's uh, too scary. Yeah, it's a, that that game is is sheer terror. Uh, even after you see how like kind of retarded the AI is, um, I still don't like it. Like it's it's yeah. still, it's still a little much for me. It's still unsettling enough. Although I did go back and try to play it a little bit over the weekend and found, especially now that I've seen like all four of us gather around a savage and you know stab it with spears and hit it with axes, like playing it one on one, like every monster takes ten hits from a katana to be killed, so it's. Just kind of tedious. Right, right. Oh, also, I found a katana. Oh, yeah, that's pretty tight. I never saw a katana. Didn't um, go in enough caves. Both both games, despite the forest being released to 1.0, I feel like both games have some pretty uh, strong like UI problems mm. and, and kind of like lack of explanation on some stuff. And But Jay made a comment that that's like kind of the fun is figuring things out. And, and I think that's true, too, to some degree. But yeah. like, it drove me nuts that I couldn't change things on my hotkeys uh, in the forest without like moving my backpack over and doing all this other weird stuff. Mm. And, um, and so instead, I'd just like go into my inventory every time monsters showed up so I could pull my weapon out. Uh, whereas eventually I had to Google it, but I was able to figure out how to, you know, assign it to a number. I, you know, I do think... Um... The interface for even though the raft is probably the less forgiving of the two, the interface is easier to get used for, used to, um, and it's generally easier to work stuff out. Like I, and then and then there's like some things I think because the raft has arguably be a, a, a bit of a smaller game. Um, oh, yeah, it's kind very of, much so. Yeah, it, it's kind of simpler to, inter- to interface with things, whereas. Um, with the forest, which is bigger and more ambitious, you know, y- you can spend like five minutes trying to get your character to drink out of a freaking stream in that game. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, it's got um, some maybe more grievous, not bugs, but maybe just general gameplay issues. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I don't know. I, 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 there's, um, I think both kind of did a pretty good job of getting me, um, engaged but i i think that uh there's definitely a higher level of interactivity with the raft that i like when playing a kind of cooperative uh, survival game like that mm-hmm. um i think in general of all the um survival games i've played the raft is probably higher up there i just i just like things where it's um i i think it's when you have to play it like that where it's easier to kind of coordinate and participate with like, different members and all that and um uh, so, like, Metal Gear Survive is a really good single-player experience, but I don't really like the multiplayer. Um, and Project Zomboy can go, like, either way. Um, it's good alone. It's good with friends. Um, um, but, but like, the Raft, I, yeah, I, I can see myself playing it alone, but it's definitely a lot of a lot more fun to kind of play with friends. It's like all those fake videos you see of, of people uh, putting together something for like a Sea of Thieves or some Ubisoft game, right? Where everyone's right. like highly interactive, like, "Hey guys, let's get together, let's coordinate and get." Ro- Roger that. Head over here. <laughs> Two bogeys incoming. Oh, oh, over and out. Only oh, that's that's like that's actually going on in the raft, and I like that. Yeah, so. we had a whole discussion as to what Starboard was and never figured it out. 
<laughs> it's supposed to not on our ship. No, yeah. Uh, is, even I think harder. we know what's we know what Starbird is. We just don't know what the front of our boat is. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and to to kind of build on what Jay's saying there, there's no way to say this without sounding gay, but. I felt a lot closer to you guys in Wrath. Like, we were more of a team. Whereas in the forest, Jay just went off to build tree houses. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, we, we're not, you know, like, we could work together, but at the same time in the forest, like, you could just as easily leave each other. Whereas in Raft, you are, you know, very much stuck together. And, like, that's that's your team. And well, that's I, what I, you're I, doing. Everyone I needs think... to pull their weight really hard in the Raft, too. Right, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like it's it's constantly you have to constantly be on top of everything in the raft. Like, like the forest, once you build something, aside from like a cannibal attack, you you know there's no requirement to kind of be right on top of it and make sure things are going smoothly. If you forget like a piece of food out on a campfire, it's not going to be a huge deal. Someone can get to it like in a day or two. Um, and the raft, you kind of have to make sure like everyone is always supplied you have to make sure like your planter is always full uh that your water is always fresh that something's always cooking um that you're always going the direction that you want to go because if you don't you're not you're not only going to run into like any islands or ra- other rafts out there you're not going to get any items to pick up it'll just be empty ocean um so yeah there is a much higher level i think of participation and coordination and uh, you know, like I can say, like in the forest, <laughs> the reason that I went off to build tree houses was because I had learned the effigies, and I asked people where they wanted the effigies, and I put them there. It was just about like gathering the materials and throwing them on. Whereas, like the raft, um, you really need someone on like cooking duty, and you need someone on like water duty. Otherwise, you're going to forget those things, and you're going to be stuck, and you're going to die. <laughs> That's going to be it. Yeah, and actually, there's there's an example of like that interactivity between between us as a team. Is like how often would someone have cooked a, something for you in the forest? Whereas Michael was running the barbecue on raft, like for most of the you know most of the game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's funny. The uh, it's raft is much more demanding despite the fact that the stakes of dying are generally quite a bit less than in the forest. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. Like, uh, the, the cannibals are way more oppressive than the shark. Uh, yeah. And, and yet the, it feels like you're constantly in much more danger, uh, in raft than, than you are in, uh, I, in the forest. No, it's funny. Cause I, I think another example is like, I, I feel like, and for the raft, we, we it's almost like we created like a routine as if we were actually um, roommates, like in an apartment living together. We created mm-hmm. a routine. That's so, true. We didn't have a chore wheel, but we were right there. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, we, you know, we had Michael like cooking duty and then we had you basically navigating most of the time. And then, you know, I was, I was constantly checking on the planters because even after I built the scarecrow, you, you know, I found out you still have to be on top of those planters. Or bird will come and eat your shit. Like it, like a scarecrow only keeps them away a percentage of the time. Uh, meanwhile, the bird's nest. We had to like not disturb those and leave those carefully still until the bird left, and we could collect our eggs. and And it definitely encourages you to be super aware of how many systems you have going on. Where I think, yeah, and communicative. Yeah, and right. communicate on that. Yeah, you have to be more clear about who's doing what. Otherwise, you're going to waste some time for sure. Yeah. Uh, again, whereas in the forest, I just built a table for the shit of it, <laughs> and, uh, and no one liked my I, yeah, table. Yeah, but I thought it was. Yeah, great. I was still annoyed. I, 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 you know, 
it's funny, even though you guys complain about the paints, I had a lot of fun figuring out the paint system. Whereas in the forest, I would just build like a scald lantern because I was bored. Like, well, nothing's going on. No one has to do anything. I'm just going to build a scald lantern. But the, the yeah. painting took some working out in the raft. There's a reason that, that I... our cabin has a birdhouse on it. <laughs> just because I yeah. wanted to see how that worked. That might be some of what I'd say I'd like more about the raft is even though resources were tight enough, there was really not a lot of room to be creative. Things didn't feel quite so arbitrary as in the forest where, like, if we wanted to build a wall, that would take two days of chopping down trees where in the forest or in the raft, sorry, just grab some shit out of the water and throw it together. Yeah. Yeah. It felt a little more fun and free in that way, which granted two different themes. But I think stuff tones. is still expensive. I feel I felt like stuff is still pretty yes. expensive in both games. Um, and, and that's to the game's benefit, I think, to some degree, because that keeps you playing it longer and makes people feel like they got more of their money's worth out of it. But uh, I do feel like crafting stuff could be a little cheaper in in both games, actually. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that's fair. I You know, I. I I definitely, I definitely agree with you on as far as the forest goes. I don't know if it bugged me as much in the raft, especially because if you built more kind of advanced items, then they definitely lasted longer. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, I, I feel like in the raft we were kind of always in a position where we just kind of narrowly made it with what we needed, and we were never too screwed. Whereas, um, you know, we would be low on something for sure. If we got to those points, but. Um, we would always get just enough for like the next round of whatever we needed in order to refill something. Um, and there were some things that were like a little tedious. Like I think, um, even though the bigger, uh, water purification system was better, it took more kind of babysitting to make sure that thing was always full. Um, uh, but whereas in the forest, I feel like some building projects as necessary as they were, it just ended up in like tedium because you're just... Going out, putting another log, chopping it down, putting the sledges, bringing it back, putting those right. logs up, going back out to the forest. It's just got, like, tired. So I felt like like the raft kind of... It's a little bit of a hamster wheel, but it's kind of like, I feel like, an engaging hamster wheel, so it never feels too tedious. Um, whereas the forest, you just start to get super weird by the time you're on, like, log 76 of, like, 88 or whatever you need. Probably also helps that the raft, we're always struggling to find those resources where in the forest, they're always there. It's just a matter of, I, don't, I need, need to take two hours to go chop them all down. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And, and hey, that's not to knock the forest. Like, I, I really love that little <laughs> expedition we took inside the cave. That was pretty cool. Yeah, that was great. Well, um, and I'd like that, to do more of that at some point. I was going to say, that kind of brings me to my second point, which is we should probably switch back to the forest because I did a little digging and we've pretty much seen everything that the raft has to offer for the time being. Right. Yeah. That said, last week they did release a bow and arrow. So I think they're probably going to keep adding stuff that's going to make it more engaging because it's still early access. So there's going to be more stuff to make it more fun to play. So I think we should give it a rest, maybe go back to the forest or something else for a while and then revisit it later when they've had some time to build up more. Yeah, I think yeah. I think uh, I was reading Raft is on like 1.2. Like, let's let them get to like 1.3 or 4 and, and see what's yeah, yeah. new. And in the meantime, we can go explore some caves and apparently get katanas. So, yeah. I mean, that, <laughs> that changes everything. Um, un- unrelated, but uh, is it just me or does the Steam Summer Sale suck? 
Like nothing. Right. It does. I'm not I, seeing I, anything that I want. I've looked at it like it, every day, and I I don't see anything that I'm even a little interested in that's in like on, a on deep enough it, discount. Gog had their sale um, just before it, and it, it was so much better. Yeah, this and, feels. And Steam is doing something. This feels like really stingy. Uh, it feels really stingy. So that was that was actually my note because Steam is doing something this year where you can play a really annoying tower defense game. Yeah. And if you're successful, it enters you in a raffle to like win a game. Whereas in the Gog sale, they just gave you free games. You hit a certain threshold and it didn't have to be that high. You spend 10 bucks, 20 bucks, you get two free games. And I'm like, why can't they just do that? <laughs> yeah. Why does it, <laughs> I had to play this like tedious game for a chance to enter a lottery for something I might not even want. Did we play, uh, I do see uh, Wreckfest is on here. Were you with me, Michael, when we played that at PAX? Wreckfest. Wreckfest. It's like a, it's like a burnout uh, kind of style game where a demolition derby uh, type. If you don't remember it, it must have been uh, Trevor who I was with. I'm drawing a blank on that one. Trevor or Doug, one of the two. Um, but anyway, it was terrible and I, I was bummed out because I really want, you know, a burnout game again. I just saw it on, it's not on sale. Nothing that I would even be interested in is on sale, even though Wreckfest looks terrible. So Drive hard, die last. Yeah. That's a good, um... What I played was not good. It has positive reviews, which surprises me, because what I played was um, absolutely awful. So I, I think off of the, what did I get off the Gog sale? Um, so for me personally, I got Homeworld Desert of Crack just because I'd wanted to play it for ages. I got Theme Hospital. I got Syndicate Plus. I got all of the Alone in the Dark series. I got Dead Space. Um, I got the original Witcher. All of the Witcher games are on sale. Um, all the Monkey Island games, Wasteland 2. And then, yeah, it was a pretty good. And then I look at Steam and, Steam, what are you doing? <laughs> well, yeah, there's some, there's some good stuff. Even right now on GOG, there's some games where I'm like, yeah, why not? But, all right, well... Anyway, the unrelated, but just thought I'd mention that. Let's uh, let's see if we can run through our, uh, at least two of our other uh, games here. Um, I'm actually really curious about this, Michael, because you don't sound like you like Moonlighter, and I actually thought it was pretty fun. Well, it's a top-down action RPG, so I already hate that. But <laughs> yeah, I mean that that part's bad. I've I've got your back there. Oh, really? I don't, I don't like uh, I don't like top down action RPGs as a general rule. Okay. Having, having said that, I feel like right? this one has a little bit more interesting. The the combat is a little bit more slow, kind of, and and rewards. It, I, I, uh, I, I I I don't want to say like like Dark Souls or anything like that, but like there's some there's some benefit to like waiting for enemies to attack so you can get in in like windows and. Oh, it's like Dark Souls. Yeah, I mean, I hate to I hate to give like the concept of combat to Dark Souls, but to some degree, yeah, like I mean, it does it does use timing, and it's a lot of there's a lot of cases where it's better to hang back and dodge an attack or wait for a you know a break in the enemy's pattern to attack rather than to just run in and start attacking. And that said, for a for a genre I don't like, I think it's probably perfectly perfectly serviceable. That said. I do find myself getting frustrated more, well, not more often than not, but a lot because I'll go up to attack something and find that I'm one pixel away from hitting it or I'm misaligned by like one step or two and I'm shooting above it or my sword doesn't hit it. And 
I don't know. It just it doesn't feel very intuitive to play the the combat certain sessions and just get tired of the uh, so, going through those motions. But uh, good. Oh, I was gonna say. Let me backtrack a little bit and just yeah, clarify, yeah. for any for any who might not know, Moonlighter is a game where you uh, basically play an RPG shopkeeper, and at night you go into the local dungeons and kill monsters and collect loot and then sell the loot in your shop. Uh, which you run by day. So uh, when you when you go back to the store, you can open it up and, and set items out. And a, a big portion of the game is figuring out what are like the appropriate prices for items. There's also some supply and demand elements to it. Oh, so it's kind of like a Reketeer or whatever you pronounce it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I know what you're talking yeah. about. I can't think of the name yeah. of it. But the, yeah, it's it's got a similar vibe. It's it's a little simpler. The The shopkeeping aspect is real basic. Um, yeah, so... And so uh, I'll add on to that with an, another question for Michael, which is, were you upgrading your store? Uh, because that does make a big difference in how tedious that segment feels. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd follow the upgrades about as soon as I could. Mostly, I'd, so my pattern would be to focus on my weapons and armor so that i get better equipment and then spend it on store upgrades and go through that. But I don't know. The, the shop mechanic feels very fun. So I'll say this especially the shop mechanic, but I think the whole game is a great argument for the practice of time gating. Mm-hmm. Because I think I would have a lot more fun if I could only go into the dungeon three times a day and just mm. find what I can and I can only open my store twice a day and then I have to put it down and come back the next day. But if I just yeah. sit there and keep going through the motions, the game you really kind of, burns out real yeah, fast. I, I get that for sure. That's fair. I think. And I started thinking, did, so did you get out of the first dungeon? Yeah, I went through the first three dungeons. Oh, no shit. Wait, yeah. wait, wait. Like the first the first three levels of the first door or like you opened No, up? no, the Golem dungeon, the Forest dungeon and the Future dungeon. Oh, no way. I didn't even yeah. I didn't even open the second door. Uh and I I The Forest dungeon? Yeah, I'm actually curious about our timestamps. You're playing on PC, right? Yeah. Let me pull this up. How long have you been playing that? I'm 15 just, hours? I'm just wondering if I'm like super fucking slow or uh or or if you're super fast uh or or neither. Um okay, so, so, why you, so why you why you ask that question cuz I unlike you two I actually do like top-down RPGs. I play quite a few of them. And I recommend quite a few of them. Well, I mean, then you mm-hmm. might you might enjoy Moonlighter. Uh I I know that Jay and Lucio like to make fun of this. This game would be perfect on the Switch. Uh, because I want to play it for about that kind of dose of time where like I make fun of them. Well, maybe it's more Lucio. Lucio seems <laughs> Lucio seems to be really tickled by the idea of people being like it would be perfect for Switch. And I mean, I'm I'm waiting for um, Shrouded Isles on the Switch. I mean, there's a I really really think that's like a good game for the Switch. Like, um, and that's on like the summer sale and like you know whatever there's a um, lot of there's a lot of games like that like uh have you have you seen you guys aren't tetris fans uh but tetris effects yeah. is coming out I, i'm i'm a huge tetris fan i was in a tetris tournament when i was a kid i well, almost won have you looked at did you see the trailer for tetris effect then i didn't i didn't see it in it looks actually it looks fucking great and it's uh it's being like directed by uh one of the guys who did i, I was it lumine that he did um but anyway it's basically like it's like a Tetris game, except it's a it's like trippy as shit. There's all these like weird effects and lights and stuff, and it's it's very much meant to be like a visual uh, cocktail or whatever. 
And anyway, I, I was watching the trailer for it and I was thinking like, man, this looks great. And then it revealed that it was only on PlayStation 4. And I was like, I don't want oh, to I don't want to play this on PlayStation 4. <laughs> I don't blame for that. And, it, and my follow-up sentence to that is, I want this on the Switch. Yeah, I would play that on the Switch in a, in a heartbeat. I want to I want to take this and, and like lay in my bed and hold the screen inches from my face and, you know, go blind uh from all the shit exploding on the screen. Well, I, I don't. I don't have when, a switch, but I think that'd be more fun. I can tell you what's good on the switch. You, uh, what did you say, Jay? I said when you're done talking about Moonlighters, I can tell you what's good on the switch. Oh well, I mean, I I don't know if there's too much more to say about Moonlighters. Uh, I, well, I I like it, but I also you've played a lot more of it than me, Michael. So I get uh-huh. I get how you could definitely be burned out because I was already starting to feel it kind of creep in, and I just quit playing because I. I had other stuff to do and I haven't come back to it. So, yeah. so as much as well, I, as much as I did enjoy it, like, did I enjoy it that much? Cause I didn't well, play it's it also again. a roguelike, so it's already bad in that regard. Right. If, um, if you're not into that kind of thing, that's going to be a problem for you. Um, yeah, I, I like roguelike a lot less than I like top down RPG. Yeah. I will say that's another one I'm waiting for on the switch is uh, dead cells, uh, which is a roguelike, but for whatever reason, I'm very drawn to it. I want to play it. But I want. This looks good, yeah. And again, like the switch is something that I think helps roguelikes because you don't want to play them for like two hours in a row. I mean, some sick weirdos do, but like when I when I <laughs> when I play one, I do like one run, and I'm like, well, that was enough of that. Um, and so like in a portable game like that, that's perfect. Uh, just just get like just enough, and then come back to it later. You know. I will say I feel kind of bad hating a game. Well, I won't say hating, but disliking a game that looks as nice as this. Boy, it really does. Uh, it, it it really is well done, and it's because it's from a Polish developer. Yeah, and so it's he, it's gorgeous to look at, and music's really good too. But yeah, the music's actually really good. Uh, the music's by uh, David Fenn, I think, who did uh, the music in Titan oh. Souls. And oh, okay. uh, I actually I, I really like the music in that game and I, I really like the music in this game, too. So I like how uh, all three floors of a dungeon are rearrangements of basically the same piece done in just different styles. Like uh, uh-huh. it's really good music. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I've enjoyed what I've heard so far. Um, so, yeah, it, it's pretty, pretty nice. Jay, what game do you think is perfect for the switch? Oh, it's, it's... oh God damn it. I know what you're going to say. <laughs> What, do you regret it now? All right, go ahead and talk about it. Uh, okay. What's new? Well, I picked up the Octopus expansion for Splatoon 2. Yeah, and how is that? Good. It's What's next? it's great. <laughs> it's terrific. So you can be the it, octopus. You can, you can be the octopus now. And you don't have to be the squid anymore. You can now be the octopus. You guys were telling me that the octopus is like the bad guy. The octopus is the bad guy, yes. Are they good guys when you use them, or are they... The one you're using... So there is actually a surprising amount of story behind it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me, tell me the lore. The, the, the lore is, you know, um, this game stars a new pop duo of Marina and Pearl. And, uh, you know, Pearl is a squid kid, and then Marina is like an octo one. It's a big deal having her among the squids, because she's like... The first black person, I mean, the first octo among the squid. Um, wow. They don't, they don't really, like, explain it um, <laughs> outright, 
there's some scrolls in game you could pick up. Um, but if you hear the song that um, belonged to the original pop duo in the first one, then it touches your heart and it restores your souls and all that kind of stuff. And then so every oct- octoling that hears it, they're possessed to kind of like go out, go back into society. You know, thousands of years ago, they were all friends and uh, they're just compelled to go back out there and, and, and rejoin the society and be a part of it. And so that's what happened to her. And that's kind of the background as to what happened to you. Um, and you are the 10,008th person that this has happened to. But before you get to go and rejoin Squid Society, you have to pass like a series of tests. Um, and it all takes place in this place called the uh, Deep Sea Metro. Um, so, you know, you're not sure what happened to you. You just wake up, you have amnesia. And uh, a, a guy from the first game, Captain Cuttlefish, he's like, hey, we were fighting, get back up and like defend your ass. Um, and then he's like, actually, let's put our fight on hold because I don't know where we are and let's try to figure out to get out of here. So you enter you enter a subway and it looks a lot like the New York City subway train. And, um, you know, the conductor, who is a sea cucumber, of course, naturally, he tells you you have to pass a series of tests if you want to restore your memories and if you want to get out of here. And the tests that you have to undergo are like fucking brutal. It actually reminds me of Portal a lot, only it's a lot less forgiving than Portal. Um, and it's so, and like, I think Nintendo realized how hard this game is. So if you fail enough times, you actually get the option to just completely bypass a test and go on to the next level. And while I didn't use it like a lot, I, I got so stuck and so frustrated on some levels. that I'm like, fuck it. I'm skipping this and going on. Um, I'll come back into it later. And it is a really, really challenging DLC. It's surprising, you know, Splatoon, has always had this uh, campaign component that's pretty well developed, and it's it's a, it's a pretty good platformer. Um, and the platformer can be like surprisingly kind of challenging, but it's not like just so frustratingly difficult. You want to like throw your switch across the room, um, and and I swear, you know, I'm on the final levels of of the kind of vanilla Splatoon two platforming stuff because I never really got around to finishing it. And after going into the Octo expansion and then just coming back to what should have been the hardest part of the game. It just feels like child's play compared to everything I had to do in Octo. Um, so is there I'm, is there any like multiplayer edition uh, stuff in the expansion? Or if you buy it, are you just getting the single-player content? No. You, you know, when, once you clear it, you get to use, you know, the Octo character in the multiplayer. Oh. Um, that's kind of your reward. And then you get like a ton of gear that can also be used in the multiplayer. Um aspect and it, it really does depend on how many of the tests that you pass um so the more tests that you pass the more goodies you get for the multiplayer component um and if you don't pass any you just kind of get whatever pity gifts they gave you over the course of the game and uh you walk out with that and Look, then so there's no like there's no like maps or anything like that like they're not they're not locking people who don't buy it out of multiplayer content no 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 aside like aside that. from characters and stuff like yeah that. aside from characters like, so like it so all the maps that they update in Splatoon, everyone always gets for free. It's not like a Call of Duty thing where, you know, if you buy a map pack, you're going to be, like, split off from part of the population because they can't access it. Um, so it's not like that. But So it's all, like, personal stuff that you can then take into the multiplayer. Um, and it doesn't... It's, it's not something... It's not like a, a pay-to-win pay to either because it's not gear that's substantially different from what you can get from outside the game. It's just kind of, like, nice to have and... 
Um, it gives you a couple of unique abilities and a, a nice new look. Um, and it's fun stuff, but it's not like something so adverse that, you know, it's going to split up the, um, the community. Right. Um, you know, and it's fun to see. It's funny because a lot of the octo players, like my, my, I rolled a particularly like, um, ebony skinned octopus, but a lot of the octo players are, um, you know, white because that's kind of like the player base. They're going to make a character that looks like them. But the, <laughs> the octolings really do have this kind of like Afrocentric flair about them. Um, in fact, one of the default hairstyle is just like an Afro. Um, they definitely like walk with more swagger and, uh, there's a ton of new clothing that's been released in association with them that anyone can get that is definitely, definitely inspired by y- y- the Octolings might as well be like Grove Street, um, the way this game goes down mm-hmm. <laughs> and how they dress and all that. Um, so you're fun, saying they're not Uncle Tom's, huh? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Yeah, they're not yeah. Uncle Tom's. That's good. That's very much to their benefit. They're opposite. Well, they might be in Octopus Society. They might be Octopus. Uncle well, Tom's. But unless Uncle Too Tom's nice, I'm still not clear about Uncle Tom. <laughs> anyway, the main point is that, that the two things that surprise me the most are how lore-heavy this game is, because it goes really deep into what seem like side attraction characters in uh, Pearl and Marina. It goes really deep into their past. It goes really deep into your past. It actually has a pretty, some pretty cool plot toys for people who are fans of Splatoon, which is no one here, but someone like Lucio would like. Correct. Well, and, and I... You know, I, I I get like I kind of have the same feeling where like it surprises me because you don't really expect this game, especially that has like as big of a multiplayer component as it does to be so like lore heavy. But at the same yeah. time, like you also have to consider that like the people who play it are sexual deviants. And so they <laughs> they crave that lore. And so it does stand to reason that they would put in as much of it as they do. The the other thing that really surprises me is just how challenging it is and um, stuff that I might have found particularly easy. Like, there's a really, really cool final boss um, in the game and it's like, just absolutely epic how they put it together. It's actually one of the most epic things I've seen in video games in a while. Um, and I think I got it probably by my second or third try. But there are people that have just never completed this final boss. Um, they find it so hard. Hmm. Um and that just utterly shocks me, knowing what the majority player base for Splatoon is. Um, that they would right. make a DLC that's so damn hard. It's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, children are very good at games. Like, uh, well, some some of them. Uh, but uh, so maybe maybe they're not alienating too many people. But yeah, yeah. I, I I agree. Like that is that is kind of an unusual choice. Uh, on their part, but at the it's same surprising. time, it just remind me a lot of Portal, and it, like in a good way. Um, definitely, I, definitely, some of the puzzles are a lot more. Um, um, I would say maybe unfair than Portal because Portal's not going to punish you too badly for fucking up, but Splatoon gets to be pretty brutal in how they punish the player um, for messing up. And yeah. I think there's a I case. Mean, there's a they case to be. They a suicide bomb to you. If you fail a test, they blow you up instantly. Oh well, yeah. Why not? Uh, <laughs> there's there is it goes a, back to those young adult novels we were discussing earlier. <laughs> there's a case to be made that if you're still playing Splatoon at this point, you're probably pretty good at it uh, because yeah, most true. most people don't play competitive multiplayer shooters uh, this far past release date without like being able to hang. You know, every every competitive shooter like this has kind of a a half-life or an expiration date 
where like normal people can't play it anymore because the people who've been there since day one are way too fucking good at it. And That's very true. It's not approachable anymore. So that kind of does give them the liberty to maybe make the DLCs harder because they know how good their players are. And and it it it, it also reminded me in a way of the later World of Warcraft DLCs and how like all the single player leveling content was designed to train people how to raid later on. And it has it very much has that feel that if you get through these tests, you are going to be better at the multiplayer component. Um, uh, so it, it does have that kind of same design principle behind it. Hmm. All right. Well, uh, I mean, as as we know, it's not my jam, but I'm glad to hear that they're uh, they're handling it well and that they're doing you know the right long term support and it, it's a good job. Uh, and, and like this is, I think between this and um, what, what is, is it, champions or something or the other for Zelda. It's yeah, first time Nintendo's the, like really venturing into the world of DLC, and it's kind of cool to see them do it. They've done a pretty good job, actually, with, with the Zelda yeah. stuff. Um, so yeah, it's it's nice to see them kind of get with the program uh, in that regard. So yeah. hopefully they can hopefully they can stick with it. I'm curious. Uh, I haven't looked into it. Does Mario Odyssey have any DLC detailed? Is is there mm, is, is there news about that? Uh, because I would love more of that game. Like, give me a give me a couple more worlds, guys. Come on now. Uh, it looks like there is nothing about it. So, uh, yeah, it looks just just like a lot lot of early explanation. Um, yeah, not, it's not, not speculation. Speculation. Yeah, I, I, I see a yeah. Delfino Isle and Balloon World and a bunch of other ideas. So. Uh, well, you know, the Splatoon DLC and the Breath of the Wild DLC both came out like full year after the release. Maybe we just had to wait a little longer. Yeah, that's the other thing is Nintendo has either timed their releases uh, very, very strategically or they just, honest to God, are making the DLC after they make the game, which is a, <laughs> yeah. which is a mind-blowing concept. But it does seem like that might be what they're doing. Uh, so, But they could also just be making it when they make the game and then just hold on to it for a long time. That's what I'd do. Yeah. I'd be like, hey, <laughs> guess what, everybody? Um, should we talk about Detroit just a little bit before we wrap up? Yeah, let's talk about Detroit. Because you really actually picked my curiosity here, uh, because it sounds like there's an entire segment of the game that I just barely played that you didn't encounter at all. So I, I, I in my review that's up on the site now, I concluded that, you know, after I finished the game, I, I went for what was a pretty perfect or almost perfect playthrough. And that, and to me, that means kind of nailing QTE and making sure like you collect all the characters and every character lives through to the end. But um, it, it actually seems like in some places it's more rewarding to be less perfect because it opens up like entire new scenes that you wouldn't have gotten otherwise. Um, so how did so, I, how did, so basically I got stuck in a situation where uh, Kara and the little girl that she's looking after, they, they shack up in an abandoned house and Alice, yeah. then the cops come knocking and I we run away from them. And then during that chase, we have to cross a uh, busy freeway. And I'm curious, like, how did I fuck up to get to like, you're kind so, of implying that I made an error. So, so we have to go even further back from that because you ended up in the abandoned house. I ended up staying in the motel. So oh, I so guess that means you didn't go around robbing black people in Detroit. Then I was going to say, so you stole stuff from people. I, I did, well, I stole clothes from a guy in a laundromat. Okay. And then I went to Man, the he probably store. needed those. Yeah. Well, I so went to the convenience 
<laughs> if you go to if you go to steal them, the little girl's like, we can't do that. And I was like, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I ignored her. I told her like we need these clothes. Um, which opened up an option later on because I went to the convenience store and I held the guy up at gunpoint. But before I did that, I tell Alex, I told Alex, how about you go wait outside? And she was like, all right. And then I stuck the guy up at gunpoint. I took, you know, made him turn around, took the money in the register. I left. And then Alice was like, what happened there? I was like, oh, the man was really friendly and he gave me money. <laughs> oh, what the fuck? I just realized you had a gun and you got that gun. With- I didn't. I don't even have a gun. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. That's yeah. wild to me. Like that. that's really early in the game where you got that gun. <laughs> I, I Yeah, that's true. Uh, that's actually, that's, that's kind of cool. The, I, yeah. I really didn't think that the, uh, little, uh, locks that you get, I didn't think that those would kind of dwell for as many chapters as they do. Yeah. Uh, and I, and I, I can already tell there's, there's been a few times where I can tell that like, I got someone to say something they wouldn't have say nor- said normally, but I still didn't have enough information to like make it valuable. Um, yeah, and I know that there's a few things that I've pretty obviously missed that could that could have probably worked some situations out differently. And I, I mean, I I even just replayed the intro with Connor, and like I have totally different result this time than the first time I played it. Um, you know, where he negotiates the hostage situation, and it's all because I just recognized a few more details this time than I did than the first time. Right. Um, but in the to answer your question for the chase scene there's a stealth sequence that you have to do right before it. And uh, if you do the stealth sequence and clear it, you know, Kara and um, Alice just get on the subway train and they leave and they completely evade Connor. Um, He doesn't even know they're in the area. And that's just another of his failed cases. Um, Whereas I think if a cop recognizes you during that stealth sequence, then that triggers the chase sequence across the highway. Huh? That's interesting. Um, so this is kind of the exact opposite of a Telltale game, where like it's it sounds like what you do can have a pretty dramatic impact on. I mean, this is in line with like Heavy Rain. It, it's not really in line with Detroit, but or not Detroit uh, Beyond. Um, I was gonna say I'm I'm trying to remember in Heavy Rain you didn't you could get some alternate scenes right or. Scenes, I guess you couldn't see if your character was dead, maybe? Yeah, for sure. Uh, that yeah, would, something like that. That would play into it. But this sounds like it's whole action pieces. Quite a bit more could, comprehensive, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, there's definitely a lot more branching paths in Detroit. And I'm actually really surprised at the places where it branches off and how it branches off. Like, there's a, there's a mechanic in it in Heavy Rain uh, where if you kind of lose a character, you're shut off from your storyline. Detroit has that mechanic... And if you lose Kara and Alice, that's it for your storyline. You're closed out. But if you lose Marcus or if you lose Connor, things end up very, very differently. Like, it almost becomes a different game because their storylines still follow through um, just kind of in very, very different ways. And it's it's kind of cool to see how that happens. Um, huh. Like, I, I'm trying to decide which is the bigger spoiler, whether it be Marcus or Connor. Um I mean, I, I guess it presumably kind of doesn't matter because the, you, <laughs> I know that they can both potentially die. So it's not really a spoiler to say that. Um, but I, well, I, I can tell you that uh, that my plan right now, and I was telling you this the other day, my plan right now is to play Marcus is basically like the fast and loose. I'm I'm just going to let him do whatever like feels impulsive and and 
basically, I always feel bad in these games and I try not to be an asshole and I try to make everybody happy and and make the right choices. But I've just resigned that like, kind of like, this is how I play Mass Effect. I always play Renegade. I don't know why. I just, I made a really conscious decision right at the beginning that like my shepherd's going to be evil and uh so 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 you might be having some pretty interesting places with marcus then because with, with my marcus and this actually does really go back to the uncle tom thing i was like you know i was playing it and i was using some metagame thinking i'm like you know what as much as i kind of want to be aggressive and as like my real politics would be closer to someone like this i know white people would just love that like passive shit uh, you know they love yeah. peaceful protests and all that i'm like i'll just we do protester <laughs> We do because then we don't have to do anything about it. That's and, real and Uncle Tom up, thinking there. Going like really, really well for me in that run through where Marcus, you know, being the more kind of amenable and, and the more kind of like peaceful, progressive guy, people love that shit. And then you know, at the end, it ended up in like kissing his love interest, and the world was like, oh, which is as we all know is how it goes back in real life. So you might be headed some pretty interesting places with Marcus that I just didn't get. He's um, he's gonna fuck some people up. I can tell you that right now. <laughs> <laughs> the second anybody gives him any shit, he's just going to tear their head off. And I have a feeling that your like finale for Marcus will be very different from mine. If if your Marcus even survives, <laughs> it should be interesting to see. Yeah, um, I'm curious. Yeah. And like even like that highway scene, like um, there's a part later in the game where you can end up um, controlling someone different than you would normally control. And uh, that highway scene, I know if you encounter it and then things go on later on, where you end up playing Connor from a certain perspective, I know you can interact with Kara and Alvis and you can apologize to them and all that. I just don't know what happens under those conditions if you never got the highway chase. Like, right. I, I, I'd be kind of, like, curious to go back and fuck around with my flowchart a little bit and figure out what happens. Huh. Um, yeah, it's really cool. I, 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 I actually really, really like that aspect. And um, The other thing I'll say about the game really quick is that, you know... I still have some of my qualms with Quantic Dreams, and I, you know, I still don't really. I, I think David Cage is like a really kind of derivative writer. Um, I think it's, a lot of it is what he's seen, and in his earlier games, it's always been TV and movies, and this is just like the civil rights movement. Um, you know, Marcus is literally a, a Martin Luther King or Malcolm X, depending on how you play him. Um, but. You know, I ended up really liking the characters by the end of Detroit, and that says something to me about how um, they worked on them, especially like Connor and Hank. They were really a lot of fun. Um, Yeah, I've enjoyed them so far. Yeah, and you know, I can't say that for every game that I got to the end. I really love that character, so I I think good job on that end. Yeah, I I think I'd agree with you. Um, It's a there. It helps that they've gotten like you know more money for voice actors and mocap and stuff like that. Uh, And so there's still some people in the game who like definitely don't speak English as a native language, (laughs) Um, but it's not nearly as bad as like Heavy Rain was or or even Beyond. Beyond had some like it was weird. Beyond has like Ellen Page and then, you know, and Willem Dafoe. And then right next to it is like some guy who's like, hello, I love this beautiful, (laughs) uh, beautiful spy. You're a ghost. And I like, like, okay, cool. You main character are to be. Hey, hey, here you come. What do you mean? You're at least not whole demons. <laughs> we got that on our plantation. Mamma mia, it's a Navajo <laughs> demon. <laughs> Mamma mia, why did you go and deserve my ancestors' graves out here in the Mojave? Yeah, that sounds right. 
It's not the way we do it in Navajo. <laughs> um, yeah, I've, the, and it's funny because actually, like talking to you about it has just kind of increased my opinion of the game a little bit. Like I, I hadn't really realized how much detail or, or how much work had gone into some of this stuff. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. So... Yeah, it, it, it's. I, I, I doesn't mean like been surprised. Just like fucking after I finished the game, I allowed myself to like just fuck around the flowchart and do stuff that. You know, it's the op- exact opposite I would do, or just like fail um, a QTE just to see what happened. Like, you know, even the Q- even when I got the gun, um, if you like unlock a gun and you totally fail the QTE as Tara, Alice will pick up the gun and shoot her dad. <laughs> like, holy shit! <laughs> it's like, um, so it's got like really really cool hidden things. I think that flowchart helps a lot too because that flowchart like clues you in as to where it might diverge that might be interesting to look at. Yeah, and it's kind of like I said, like I didn't do anything with the gun. Like I, I opened up the drawer, looked at it, and I never went near it or touched it again. I can, I pretty <laughs> much forgot about it. And so the fact yeah. that you were like still carrying it around and then used it to rob one of your own people um, <laughs> kind of blows my mind. Like that's pretty cool. Yeah. So, alright, well uh there you go i i think that if you haven't checked out detroit become human i wanted to call it detroit two souls i've really mixed those two games together yeah i, uh, I was come to human on for a while detroit become beyond human become too human uh too human <laughs> uh oh too human the uh <laughs> that that game yeah it's too human so go by Go buy two human now. It's good. Go buy it's two great. human. Can you still buy you two human? You won't regret it. They fix it. Well, I don't. I don't think you can buy it anymore because that was the game we were talking about where Silicon Knights had to des- <laughs> had to destroy all existing copies of the game. Uh, so if you find a copy of it, it's almost certainly going to be used. Well, it's too bad because they fixed it before they did. Yeah, no, I'm sure they made it way better. They were like, "Hey, guys, we should patch this so it's good," and then they did. It was, it was good to go. I just like oh, well. I like the idea of a lawsuit that ends with you having to destroy something <laughs> like <laughs> where like part of the settlement is like you guys have to take this shit and burn it like yeah that's exciting and feel bad and feel bad so uh, hopefully PUBG has something like that in their future and they can deal with that really neat thing anyway none of that's related to anything that we're talking about. Um, I think we probably uh, probably hit time here. Are you guys anything else that you guys want to make sure we uh, mention or feel good? Everybody feels good. I think that's a pretty robust podcast. That was a robust podcast, great. man. Hot dog. Well, uh, hey, thank you, listener, for coming back and joining us this week. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, you should go subscribe to us on iTunes, uh, Google Play Music, or whatever else. If there's something else that you uh, listen to podcasts on, we should be there too. So go find us. Subscribe. Leave a review. Tell us how much you like it or how much you don't, and then we'll fix it. We'll do whatever you want us to do. I swear to fucking God, we'll do anything. Or uh, maybe we'll tell you to go to hell. Yeah, who knows? Uh, give us a follow Depends. on Facebook and Twitter. We're at The Enemy Slime on both of those services. And I think with that, we're out. Hey, you just listened to the podcast, right? <laughs> Mamma mia. <laughs> <laughs>